Street of um, Hastings there. And it's going to be funded by the business community, which is myself and others that might be interested to help fund it. And it will have uh, free Wi-Fi, it will have a phone charging service, it will have lounge chairs, and it will have other things that brings the people in. It's not a church as such, but it is run by us as the church. It is there for us. So there's multiple, multiple churches here in Hastings that are going to be involved with it. Bay City is going to take a day or maybe two days, depending on the volunteers, and they will be manned. Now, we set one up six months ago in Auckland, and it's set up in a shopping centre in Manurewa. And when it was set up, a lot of people said, this is great. You know, there's a real homeless problem here. There's a real uh, drug problem here. And there's other negative things within the community. And I was meeting with a lot of the pastors. And I mean, a lot, of, a lot of pastors that are involved in this with different churches. And I looked at them and I said, yes, but what about the husband who has been fired from his job and yet he still goes to work? because he can't tell his wife that he no longer has a job. What about the husband and wife that have just found out their children have been arrested for dealing in pee? How do they feel? Who do they go to? What helps them? How do they know who to talk to? Now, of course, we know that the churches are there for that, but we wanted something that church, run by the church, that's full of the Holy Spirit and full of Jesus, but people can walk in there and just feel absolute love. So the first part of the House of Hope is that we are there for the community. We are there as Jesus was there. Now, this is something that I use quite a bit. Jesus prayed for 10 lepers in the Bible, but only one came back. We're there for all 10 people, even if only one comes to church. Okay? We're there for everybody. Yeah, last, through the House of Hope, I mean, roughly how many people have Okay, okay um, I really encourage you guys right now, and in fact, pick up your phones and, and put it into your Facebook page. It's called House of Hope Manurewa. Like the page, because what you're going to see is what happens. So we encourage, and uh, Judy Ann here, she's the one that sold us to come down in Hawke's Bay. Okay, so when we were here two months ago, it, it takes a key player. And, and I've got so many stories, but just a very quick one. When God put this on my heart a year ago, and it's actually, it's actually, we looked up today, it's a year ago yesterday that we started this. Well, that we started the, the process of getting the first House of Hope up and playing. And I was driving down to have a meeting with all the pastors at a coffee shop, and there were seven pastors, or seven churches represented there. And I actually, sometimes you talk to God, and I was talking to God, and I said, I actually said it like this. I said, mate, if you want me to do this, I really need somebody down there that's going to run it. Otherwise, I'm going to have a guts full. I'm not going to do it. And I turned up at this first meeting and there was a woman there that has driven the House of Hope Manureba. And she's within one of the churches, but she's the driving force. And, and that's where I see you, Mary And You're going to be the driving force. You're going to be the organizer because it takes a strong person to run lots of different things. But anyway, getting back to what it does. So we've had um, a couple of, Guys, they were, they were a, a, of an ethnic group, of an Indian ethnic group, but that's irrelevant. And they, were, they walked into there and they said, what do you guys do here? And they said, oh, we talk to people, we help people, and we pray for people. What do you pray for? We pray for healing. Oh, my mate here's got a crooked knee, he heard it, I'm playing a game. Can you pray for him? He was instantly healed. The following week, because bear in mind, each, each organisation or each church has the same day. So people like to come back. Once you get a relationship going with somebody, they come back and meet with you the next time you're going to be there. So these people turned up the following week with his wife. Well, she's sick. 
got prayed for, got healed. Next week, the whole family turn up. Three weeks later, they're at church. Okay, so the statistics are, are pretty rough. We do keep records, but in the six months it's been going, there's over 300 salvations or people rededicating their lives back to Christ. Awesome. One, one, one of the churches, um, I was talking to them last week, one of the organisers within the church or one of the pastors, and I said, look, I would like to bless you guys that are doing this. I'd like to take you out for dinner. And so we're going out for dinner this coming week. And as I was talking to him, I said, how's it going with you? How do you find it? And he said, every week we've got one, two, or a family turning up at church through House of Hope. Your prophetic visitor centre is going to be well used. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> So we are committed to it, and uh, it's going to happen. It'll be a house of tangible hope planted in the center of our community where people can experience the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? Fantastic. I want to just stand to our feet right now. We're just going to pray for Pastor Mike. Uh, not long after he preaches this morning, he'll be off to Taiwan and uh, be ministering the power of the Holy Spirit. I think you're also ministering with Apostle Maldonado. Is that right? Woo! Come on. Come on. Why don't you just come up the front, and we're just going to just... Um, Pray for your first mum. Why don't you come up as well? Just stretch your hands out, church. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your anointing on Apostle Mike and Joy. We thank you right now for fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit. We thank you today, Lord, for the strengthening of his heart. Thank you for the heart of a 21-year-old. Father, we thank you for fresh fire. Father, we thank you today for the prophetic words that you have spoken over his life, that there be an outpouring of creative miracles, creative miracles in people's bodies. Father, today... We send them forth. We send them both forth with the fire and the power of your Holy Spirit, that the love of Jesus Christ would touch their lives, that it would touch the people that they minister to in Jesus' name. We thank you for Apostle Maldonado. Father, we just thank you right now for the event, and we just thank you, Lord, for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Come on, let's worship him this morning. someone a high five before you sit down. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. Great to be here this morning. And uh, before I don't start recording yet, I just want to just 
talk again just about this conference coming up and uh, to share something about it. Uh, many years ago, I, when we were in part of, uh, of, a, of a movement, we were leading the movement in New Zealand, um, I really felt that there was a desperate need for a fresh move of God. And so we invited a person to come because I heard that wherever they, wherever they went, God came and God moved powerfully. And uh, so I, I rang actually Peter Kirsten. I said, Peter, you've been to the meetings. Do you know what they're like? He said, yes, I have. I said, is God there? He said, yes, God is there powerfully. So that's good enough for me. And uh, when I sought to uh, bring Jill Austin to Hawke's Bay, there was considerable resistance, considerable opposition. But I felt in my spirit that this was an important step for us to experience something fresh in God. And of course, history shows that. We had a, a tremendous move of God with open heaven, people having visions of heaven, people's lives transformed radically. But the bigger effect was not just within our church here. The bigger effect was what happened because straight after the Easter conference that we had her, we had a, 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 a the movement had their, their national conference here. So we had pastors from Australia, pastors from New Zealand here, and uh, there was contention around this whole issue of uh, Jill being able to speak. And I said to her, look, I'll take full responsibility. Just get up there and bring God. And I said, if we only get one shot at this, at least we'll know whether people want God or not. And, uh, but let's give it a go. And I said, uh, I'll protect you from criticism and I'll take the rap for anyone that gets upset and uh, sort that out. I just want to know whether this movement is still open to God. And there was a massive contention. It was a very difficult night, but God came powerfully. And then over the course of the next two or three days, there was an impartation into the leadership of that movement. And the moment they left New Zealand, the power of God was with them going into nation after nation after nation. That was before the outpouring at Toronto. So there was a move started here that went out across the world. Now, of course, most people can only think of what's going on here. Uh, but we need to see that already... On that particular uh, weekend, over that period of time, God moved in such a way there was a release of power and it was carried all over the world. Just stunning. Churches all over the world impacted by what God put on people at that conference. Now, we've gone a few years now and it's time for a fresh move. It is time for a fresh move. So this is not just about holding a conference. It's about an impartation into our nation so I want you to pray, because there's always contention around this kind of thing. I want you to pray and believe for God to bring pastors and leaders, not only from our nation, but from other nations, and that in that pastors part of the conference and leaders part of the conference through the day, Monday afternoon, Tuesday, during the day, and then in the miracle crusade at night, we will see a powerful impartation of God into the pastors and leaders and churches, and that we ourselves will come up and break through to another level. So it's, it's happened before, you can't tell me it can't happen again. It just takes people who are hungry that will front up and say, I want God, I want to receive from him. And uh, I know as I've listened to the testimonies of Maldonado's ministry, people all over the world have been activated 
with creative miracles, uh, enlargement, increase. We read every day uh, his devotional and the testimonies are unbelievable. So I want you to pray and uh, let's be as a church, be totally on board to make this happen. Uh, there is a sheet at the back how you could be involved in hospitality, security, car parking, catering, reception, or car taxi VIP. And uh, Anton's even volunteered to loan us his Mercedes. So isn't that good, eh? So you've got a car. So someone, yeah, 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 that's the race car. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Awesome. Thank you very much. I just appreciate your heart. Hey, why don't you open your Bible with me and uh, go to have a look in Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. I want to share something that's burning in me just for the, the last few days or week or so. I had a couple of verses that God really spoke to me out of very strongly, and, I, I, and they touched my heart. And, uh, and I want to just encourage us in this area. So, so we're going to look in Romans chapter 15 and verse 7. And uh, before we do, while you're looking and finding that in your Bible or it's getting up on the screen, how many of you have ever been into a place where you didn't feel welcome? Isn't it chilling? You know, and, and how long did it take you to work out you weren't welcome? It's, isn't it really quick? It's almost instantaneous. You can feel the vibes. Isn't that right? You feel the vibes. And you say, well, what does that mean? You feel the vibes. Well, the the spirit of exclusion that's upon people creates an atmosphere that you can feel. Okay? And it's painful, and you feel there's something wrong with me. <laughs> What's wrong with me? They don't seem to like me here. And usually you say, I'm getting out of here quick, and I'm not coming back. Would that be right? And I've been to a few churches where I've said that. I visited and wanted to see how friendly people were. And they just were not. And that's one example of what it means to take the Lord's name in vain. To take on yourself the name of being a believer, but totally misrepresent what God is like. Think about that. How many have been into a place where you immediately felt welcome? I remember we did our first visit to, uh, to Israel and I walked into the church there and the person there on the door hugged me and said, welcome home. And I just began to cry. And I don't know what happened to me. I just fell apart because I was aware we were in, uh, in Israel. We were in the place where Jesus walked the earth and to come into a church which is full of the presence of God and to feel welcome home and to suddenly realize that's actually where it all started. This is home. It really is home. I'm home. And uh, I was quite deeply touched. And so, so when you come into a place where you're welcome, you actually feel the welcome. Feel the welcome and you feel it's home. Isn't that right? Now, and I've known people who walk in the door and the moment they walked in the door, they felt, I'm home. And no one's, no, not, not much had happened. There'd be no preaching, for example. Yet people knew they were home. So it was the atmosphere created by people and the spirit to include people that come. And this is one of the great challenges for the church is to develop a spirit of inclusion. Young people, uh, young, often youth groups are, are, are get a reputation for being clicky, and even churches can get clicky. Clicky means you can't break in, you're excluded. 
And so there can be little groups in the church where people don't feel they can break in. And I want to just talk about this whole area of the Spirit to include what it looks like. So let's pick up a verse. that is basically really mainly two, two or three verses I want to look at. Here it is in Romans 15, 7. Therefore, therefore, receive one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Therefore, so there's been a lot of talking going on before that. And he's talking in Romans chapter 14 about people judging one another and feeling superior to one another. Some say you should eat this. Some say you shouldn't eat it. Some have got this rule. Some dress this way. Some have this holy day. Some have that holy day. And people are being divided and partitioned off and rejected according to what they believed. And him saying, because of what Christ has done, therefore let us receive or make one another welcome in the same way Jesus Christ made us welcome because this will bring glory to God. So there are three statements he makes. I'll just break them down and look at them uh, just uh, in, in a little detail. And uh, the first one he said is Christ has accepted us. Christ has made you welcome. If you were to meet Jesus, he's not going to be angry, frowning and uh, scowling at you and holding out a flaming torch to set you on fire not going to be doing that. He will make you welcome. How do I know he'll make you welcome? We're going to look at the scripture and we'll see what he's like with ordinary people who make a mess of their lives. You'll be surprised at how welcoming God is. Okay? So the number one, Jesus makes us very welcome. He does not judge us and separate us according to our lifestyle, where we come from or what we like. He makes us welcome in his world. He includes us. Secondly, it says, we are to include others. In other words, because Jesus set an example, if you're going to represent him and call yourself a Christian, act like him. And the way he does, if he welcomes people, then we're going to learn how to welcome people too. Become friendly people, inclusive people. I'll just give you some practical things on that just a little later. And then finally, the third thing he says is, when we do this, it brings glory or honor to God. My last message I shared on was ways we can bring honor to God. One way you honor God is by including people in your world, treating people well. How about that? Okay, well, let's just break this down. I want to open up just a few little things. First one I'll have a look at, I want you to go and have a look in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, which is a, it's my favorite passage. I just love the story in here. But uh, so when we talk about acceptance, the first thing we see is, out of that verse we read, was Christ has accepted us. So how does he accept us? What does that mean? And how does he, how does he show his acceptance of us? So the first thing is acceptance means the ability to communicate value and worth to another person. So acceptance, to accept someone or receive them, is an ability. It's an ability to make people feel they're of value and that they're welcome in your world. That's what it is. So to accept people, it's an ability you can develop. So some are not good at it. But because it's an ability, you can grow in it. You can develop your ability to make people welcome. Now, I know we have a welcome team and we have a visitor center, but that's not the point. We actually need every person in the church to develop this capacity or ability to make people feel welcome in your world welcome in your world, and to feel like they're of great value. Okay? So that's what it really is talking about. Now, uh, we're going to look at it now in this, in this verse here. 
So when we accept people, we communicate they're of value. When we reject people, we communicate they're of no value. When we accept people, we honor them by welcoming them and including them in our world. When we reject people, we shame them and exclude them from our world. Simple, quite simple, is not deep stuff, but it's very important stuff. Now, Luke 15, verse 1 and 2. Now, all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to Jesus to listen to him. But the Pharisees and the scribes complained. And they said, this man, here's their complaint about Jesus, this man receives sinners. And he even eats with them. Disgraceful. Now, what you've got to realize is that over and over and over again, Jesus confronted the political and religious culture. If you don't understand the culture, it's not so obvious what he's done. You just read, oh, yeah, he did that, yeah, okay. Uh, you don't sort of catch it. But if you actually understand the culture. So the first thing are the publicans. And that means we think of a publican, we think the guy runs the pub down the road. But the publican in the Bible was a tax collector. It literally meant, his name literally meant to farm the taxes, get the money in. And there were two types. There were superior tax collectors who were the Romans, and uh, they were the superior ones. There was what they called the inferior ones, and those were the Jews who collected taxes for the Romans, and they were, of all the people in the community, the most greedy and corrupt. So they were therefore despised, hated, rejected, and nobody wanted to be with them unless they were after them for their money. So that generally they were wealthy people and their only comfort was their money because no one else wanted them or liked them. They were at the, in terms of social status, they were at the bottom. You couldn't go lower than being a tax collector. So notice it says the people that came to Jesus, it says two kinds of people. Tax collectors, that's the really lowest, worst kind of people of all, and then everyone else, all the other sinners. So on the other centers, you got prostitutes and drug addicts and, and, and homosexuals and, and people who have broken down and done this and done that, whatever. All of them are categorized sinners, but the worst ones are the tax collectors. They're the greedy and they, they're, they, they're, they're the collaborators. They collaborate with their enemies. Second World War, the collaborators really were given a hard time after the war ended. They were, they were treated with disgust. Their heads were shaved, shaven and they were, they were shamed. So the, this was a low-life people. So they came to Jesus, see? And notice this, they came near to listen. And he made them welcome. Now, the other group of people there, of course, is the, uh, the, uh, the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, now they had rules about who you met with and who you didn't meet with. And so they really wanted to please God. So they pleased God by trying to keep lots of laws. And of course, they had lots of clean, cleanliness laws. And their basic approach is, until you change, you're not included. Cut your hair, then you can come in. Get rid of the nose rings, then you can come in. See? Stop dressing in women's clothing, then you can come in. You understand, that's what it's saying. They had, they had rules about who could be included, who was excluded. And so there was a tremendous hostility between the Pharisees and the ordinary people. Not much like, it's pretty well the same everywhere, of course. They, they, they hate the people. Now, when Jesus ate with them, we have to understand the significance of hospitality. In the, in the Middle East, hospitality was a key part of the culture. 
when you received someone and ate with them, you were showering honor upon them. So hospitality was the way you honored people. And if you wanted to honor someone, you invited them to eat with you. You provided some food. So you notice Abraham, when the angels came, honored them, gave them food, water to wash their feet, and food. He invited them to eat. Lot did the same. It's like a custom in the Middle East that if you want to honor people, then provide a great feast for them or food. It's really great. So the Middle East culture is full of that. And in fact, I was looking up and, and saw some, I was looking at this, and there's, there's a word in the, the Maori culture, I don't know, I probably can't say it right, but I'll just give it a shot, eh? Uh, Manaa Katanga. And uh, it, it refers to hospitality. It's a traditional value of being hospitable. And it's got lots of meanings to it. It means literally to show kindness, to make a person feel at home, to treat people with respect. And to show hospitality by giving them food. So that's what Jesus practiced. He practiced that. And when he did that, he was confronting the whole culture. So basically, he connected with people before he asked them to change. Now, a lot of people think, well, I can't come to church. My life's a mess. See, that's the religious thinking. Jesus made people welcome without changing. In fact, he invited them to belong so then they could believe in change. In other words, connecting with them unconditionally provided an environment that inspired change. Because everywhere else you go in life, if you don't do what people want, then they, don't, they exclude you. Jesus said, I want you to know the value I place on you. I take you where you are, how you are, and welcome you into my world and put honor on you. It's nothing to do with whether you deserve it. This is actually the way God does treat people. Jesus is the express image of what God is like. You want to see what God is like? He eats with people. He loves people. He gathers people. He doesn't shun them. He doesn't, he doesn't tell them, you're going to burn in hell. You know, he doesn't go that way. You know, that's what religious people will do, you know, you know, threaten people. So Jesus welcomed them and he embraced them and made them feel safe in his presence. Now that is what it means to receive people. It means to welcome them to embrace them as they are, and to help them feel safe. There are a lot of broken people around. They don't feel safe anywhere. They come from abused family, have been abused by this one or that one. Their life's been shattered, they've been betrayed. They don't feel safe. And so when you meet with them, they're carrying pain. They're carrying all kinds of baggage that you don't know about, and that's why they behave strangely sometimes. So to accept people means to welcome them and receive them and help them understand they're of value and that it's safe to be with you. Oh, you're getting quiet now. So how does Jesus see us? How does he welcome us? See, if you don't know how he welcomes you, you'll have trouble worshiping when you see there's something wrong in your life. He, he sees us as a person of immense value. And that, that does not depend on your gender. He doesn't decide that the men are more important than the women. He doesn't depend on your race. When God sees you, he doesn't see you through the eyes of gender or race or your social status, how rich you are. He doesn't see you through the eyes of what you're doing. He sees you as a person. I was really challenged by a statement. Uh, someone was doing outreach and they had another person with them. And, uh, and they saw this woman over and said, and this guy said, oh, that's a prostitute, isn't it? 
And the guy who was taking him out on the outreach thought for a moment. He said, no, it's not a person. No, no, no. No, he said, that's a person in prostitution. Now, you understand that's a big difference. See? That's a homosexual. Okay? No, no, that's a person in homosexuality. You understand the tendency we have, we'll see this why we struggle to receive people, uh, is because we categorize them and put a label on them, and we don't see them like God sees them as a person with value. We see them a different way. And the way you see people will affect how you relate to them. We'll see that in just a moment. So, so that's how Jesus, he sees us as a person of value. He doesn't look at the fact we may be up or down or broken or damaged or whatever. He just sees you're a person of value. And not only that, he, t- he took initiative to reach out to us. He took initiative to come, took initiative. He paid a price to show us we're of value on the cross. Welcome. Jesus has shown initiative, shown value, and now he still communicates that. He hasn't changed. So if Jesus made sinners welcome, even the worst ones, he still does it. Now that blows away religious thinking where if I've got my life right, then I can come near to God. And a lot of Christians struggle and can't pray because they think that way. Oh, well, I, I swore this morning, therefore you know, God's going to be mad. I really don't feel good at church. I don't think I'll come. See, this is not how this is not godly thinking. That's thinking under condemnation. Jesus received sinners. He said, "You see, so the Pharisees or religious people despised him and said, that is shameful what you're doing.'" He said, "No, you've got it upside down. What I'm doing is honourable. To welcome people, make them feel safe in my world is honourable. I'm honouring them. That's what my father is like. You, though, are bringing shame to my father because you won't make them welcome and you are judging them. You get the idea. And, and, and it's very, very powerful. So we need to welcome people. How did Jesus welcome us? He sees we're of value. It's got nothing to do with what we look like or how we're doing or our social status. It doesn't really matter to him. He just sees you're a person of value for a different reason altogether. Nothing external. He took initiative to connect and he paid a price. Therefore, he values us. Now, so God expects us. So, so we saw in that verse, receive one another. In the same way Jesus received you. So you get some clues. Jesus placed value on us. Jesus reached out and took initiative to us. Jesus paid a price to include us. So what are we going to do? Well, we're going to pretty well do the same kinds of things. We're going to be the ones who take the initiative. You don't stand in the corner and wait for someone to come to you. You take the initiative go be friendly. Or get delivered. Someone has to be friendly to you. You're in trouble. You need to be fixed up. Something needs to be sorted inside. See? So what Jesus valued people and took initiative and paid a price. So really to receive people means I just place value on people no matter what they like, where they come from, and I take initiative to build connections that would include them, and I pay the price that that'll take. There is a price. There is a price. There's always a price to include people in your life, have people home, work with people, help people, pray for people, serve people. There's always a cost in it. See, but we're to receive one another. So we need to see people like God sees and look past the external. So when you see people, what do you see? Well, there's a part of me which is pretty well colorblind now because I'd, 
you know, someone will point out, well, they're from Africa. I said, really? I didn't notice, really. I was just, I saw that nice thing about that person. That's what I was looking at. In other words, you've got to see past what the world sees. The world just sees the externals. We've got to see the person of value, the treasure in the vessel. So you look past. So you, you can't just, oh, there's a woman. See, well, you know, really, how are you going to include her in your words? It's never going to happen. Oh, well, that's, a, that's an Indian. Or that's a, that's, a, that's a white fella. You know, see, the moment you think like that, you already have excluded people from your world. We can't see people that way. Otherwise, it affects how we relate to them. We have to see, learn to look at people as God looks on them. And part of that is just coming to a revelation of God's love for us. So anyway, what are the factors that hinder us receiving and including others? What, what are the factors? Now, there's, a, there's a several of them. I'll just give them to you. Then I'll talk about just some ways you can develop acceptance and, and, and including people. Well, so what hinders us? Well, number one is superiority. I am better than you. I live in Havelock. You live in Flaxvia. Now, don't tell me that attitude isn't there. I've seen it and experienced it. It's a heart attitude of superiority. Over what? Where you live? Give me a break. Don't make you more important. See? That doesn't make you more important. And when the plague fell, it fell out there. <laughs> I know I'm being naughty on that one. <laughs> <laughs> See, so, so we look at some, we, t- we tend to look at people and make assessments of them that are unfavorable. We want to make assessments that make us better and it makes us, of course, more, what it really is, it's just we're more selfish. So superiority or feeling superior or acting in a prideful way towards people, that doesn't help. So the Bible says in Romans 12, verse 13, uh, 3, it says, I tell you, every man among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought. Rather think soberly according to the grace God has given. So in other words, we do think soberly about ourselves, Not to think, well, I'm nothing. Not to think I'm very more important than you, but to think soberly according to what God has given to us. In other words, we're to have God's assessment of us. And we needed saving like the other person. Rich and poor, same way. You still got to bow the knee to Jesus Christ. That's how it is. It's, it's one price for all in the Old Testament. The ransom, the, the money for ransom was one, same, no matter how wealthy you were, you still paid the same amount. So we've got to, to realize then that we can feel superior because of how we dress, because of the race we have, the particular tribe we're part of, the area of town we live, the house we live, the car we drive, how tall we are, how short we are, how, just whatever it is, you know. There's always something that would... And you see, when you don't feel the value of God through relationship with him, you'll try to make yourself more valuable than someone else. So you're getting value at their expense. And that was the whole culture of the Pharisees. They contended to put people down so they could look better or have more honor. So their culture was filled with taking honor from people rather than giving honor to people. A culture of comparison. So superiority or pride will cause you to compare yourself favorably or unfavorably with one another. And that will lead to all kinds of issues in relationships. Rather than we come in with nothing, we'll leave with nothing. Rich or poor, we end up going out the same way. I've seen them, rich and poor, they look the same in a box. 
It's true. It's true. And when they get to the end of their life, rich and poor, they're still concerned about where they're going. It's kind of a leveler, really. Okay. Here's the second thing is labeling and judging people. Labeling and judging people. And one of the tendencies we have is we tend to label people at the first look. Hey, isn't that true? I had one thing happen to me. I was in the church one day, and I was preaching, and there was this lady, and she was sitting over there, and she was shaking her head like this. The whole time I'm preaching, she's shaking her head and looking, and it started to annoy me. I thought the only way I can get over it is to ignore her. I was wrestling because what she was communicating, I interpreted as meaning that she didn't agree with anything I was saying. So it affected my ability to connect with her. So I made the effort and went over and talked with her afterwards. She then came over to me. She said, oh, pastor, she said, that message so touched me. She said, all the things you were saying were applying to my life. I was deeply impacted by what you were saying. God has really touched me. I was just thinking, well, I wish you hadn't shaken your head. I wish you'd smiled a bit. That would have helped me a bit. But you understand what I did was judge by an appearance that the shaking her head and looking a bit grumpy meant that she was disapproving of everything I was saying. But actually, she was shaking her head because she was being impacted by what was going on. She couldn't believe what she was hearing. It was so shaking up the world that she was living in. Now, isn't that, we do that all the time, isn't that right? Come on, we do that all the time. Make all sorts of assumptions and judgment on the first impression. The first impression. And so the moment you see someone, immediately you'll be inclined to decide, do I like them or not like them? It's true. And if you like them or approve of them, you'll include them. If you don't like them or don't approve of them, you'll exclude them. It happens unconsciously within 10 seconds. Someone at the door comes in. You look, oh, I don't see them. (laughs) He's got tattoos. I don't like that. See, So, so what happens is we look, are they like me or not like me? That's the most what we do. Are they like me or are they not like me? If they're like me, I'll, I'll approve of them and bring them into my world. They're not like me. Well, he's tall. He's not like me. Or he's short. Or dressed up. Or drives a car. Or it doesn't really matter what it is. There's always something that we look straight away, and the first response is to judge the person, and then they're either included or excluded within about 10 seconds. Within about 10 seconds, you are acting out to include or exclude, just like that, because of what immediately happened in your heart. And the things you like, then you feel safe with, you feel agreeable with, that suits your world, so now we'll include them in my world because I'm in agreement with them. Hey, so we label, and we label people on skin color. Just the color of the skin. How could you possibly know what they're like? So I must admit, I had to have a bit of a shake-up myself. I went to Fiji recently. So when I think of Fijians, well, I've been there a couple of times and I basically was at the beach and they were all, everyone was lazy and took a long time to get anything done. So after you've had a couple of times and that's what it's like, I got this impression. I actually formed a judgment inside. That's what Fijians are like. Then I went to a conference and I ate a big dose of humble pie. 
the church had about 4,000 on the inside, 6,000 in the car park, and 150,000 on the internet watching. They planted churches in 100 different uh, countries of the world, sent missionaries out all over the world. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. And this is what I felt the Lord showed me. He said, actually, they're used to living in a hot climate. They're used to living simply. I can take them anywhere in the world into any culture, and they'll be missionaries. But you white fellas, <laughs> you're not going to work. <laughs> it just won't work. I can't use you guys. You're too fussy. It was those thoughts came in. It, just, it was kind of like a correction from the Lord, see, about labeling. We all have the tendency. Don't say you haven't got that tendency. You tend to label them too. Havelock people, Flexmere people, you know, Camberley people. Well, this is all just labeling on where they come from. It's got nothing to do with anything about the people. It's just a label. And the moment you put the label on, now, once you've labeled, once you have labeled, now you put also onto them all your bad experiences with anyone like that. Isn't that right? So, you got ripped off by an Indian. So every time you see one, now you're going to put on this next guy who's innocent. Oh, no, he's not innocent. I hear you saying it right away. No, no, oh, no, no. You see, but that's the labeling that takes place, you see. You see one, have a bad experience. One, now they're all like that, see. And so people do that to churches. We had bad experience in one church, all churches like that. It's not true. It's not the church of Jesus Christ. Church of Jesus Christ is very inclusive of people. Jesus loves people. So if we want to catch a spirit, stop labeling everyone. Stop labeling them. You know, if they come in, oh, that's a homosexual. Oh, don't do that. No, it's a person. It's a person, first of all. They happen to be doing something, but you're probably doing something too. Oh, but they're not like me. Oh, I see. That's why you judged them and excluded them. See, and people feel that. See, people feel it. And it works both ways. The racism thing works everywhere. It works tribe to tribe. It works black to white. It works color to color. It works everywhere. It's just something that we do that's ungodly. So we've got to repent of all of those kind of things. Eh? Once you've labeled people, you mentally exclude them and, cons- and then assume the worst of them. Eh? Uh, evaluating people. So we, we use ourselves as the standard and, and we're the standard. So you evaluate people as to where they're up to your standard. The moment you do that, then of course they're excluded from your world. And so, you know, that's, that's a big problem. 2 Corinthians 10, 12, it says, uh, measuring ourselves against one another or comparing with one another, we're just foolish. You can't, how can you compare yourself to anyone else? Your gifts to anyone else, they're all different. Well, I prophesy. Oh, bully for you, good on you. Well, I do something else. You know, so, so in other words, don't compare. Don't measure and whatever. And then finally, one other thing I felt, which is a big problem, is when people are dogmatic. Dogmatic means they express their personal opinions like it's absolute fact. And then they become argumentative and difficult. Dogmatic people make relationships very difficult because when you're with someone like that, they're not really going to listen. All they want to do is put on you what they think. And then you feel, ah, I feel accepted here. I don't feel like what I think counts, what I want counts. You're not even hearing me. I think I'm out of here, see? So dogmatic people always end up excluding people out of the flow. 
because they're fixed in their mindsets and it comes out of pride and rejection and insecurity, all that kind of stuff, trying to be in control and being superior. It doesn't help. We've got to deal with all this. So how can we accept and value others? Here's a few things you could do. Quite simple. I think it starts in the heart with openness. Starts in the heart with openness, a heart attitude. It's an ability to just welcome people in your world and into your presence and help them feel safe. In other words, you care about them. They're welcome. You're welcome like you are. It starts in the heart with being willing to repent of these other things and just be open to, to see people. And deal with pride and judgmental things. Just repent of it. You notice that you're doing that. And if even with anything I said, you realize, oh, that's me. Oh, that is so me. Well, just deal with it. Repent of it because it's ungodly. It's destructive. It excludes people and it hurts them and shames them. So the second thing is show and take initiative to connect. Take initiative. In other words, don't wait for people to come to you. You take the first step. Initiate means you move to them and smile and make them welcome. Huh? Take the initiative. Young people, take the initiative. Any new person comes, you take the initiative. Well, not on the welcome team. And listen, being on the welcome team, it's got nothing to do with anything except you're on the welcome team. Listen, everyone should make people welcome. That's what Jesus did. If Jesus treated you that way, would you be happy with that? So just make people welcome. Take initiative and go welcome. Then when you do it, smile. Make, make it a warm welcome. Smile. Glad to see you. Smile. You know, I think Jesus smiled a lot. You know, said he's full of joy. Make people welcome in your world. And if you welcome them, just be aware that what is appropriate for one person may not be appropriate for another. So if I'm to go over and shower hugs on Phil, it may work. But it may not work for someone else. So you have to be a little careful as people come in, especially people aware they've been abused or hurt or been powerless, you know, to come in and suddenly be crushed in your big hug. Panic sets in. They're in flight mode already because you hug them and it wasn't appropriate. So some people, I, I sometimes I just shake their hand and smile and, make, and do as warm as possible. I hold both hands. Uh, sometimes I'll hug people. I try to just be a little sensitive to what's going to work and what's not going to work. You don't want to wake up on the floor, you know, and you'd be knocked out because you were just silly, you know. And some church people are silly. They kind of think that everyone is going to put up with that stuff. In fact, actually, it upsets some people, especially if they've had their boundaries abused and you come in hanging all over them. Thank God I'm out of here. See, it's not going to be appropriate. See, Jesus made it very clear. He welcomed people in and he said, you're upset with that? He said, you want to see my father? He hugs and embraces people and kisses them. So God is in the big affectionate welcome thing. You just have to be sensitive whether it's appropriate or not. But be warm and be natural. I love people. Oh, good to see you and smile. Thirdly, show an interest in people. I've learned out that most people are just interested in themselves. So they just want to talk about themselves. So show an interest. When you, basically, to show an interest in a person is something like this. Here is a person of value. I wonder what their story is. I wonder what their journey's been like. This is a fellow traveler in life. I wonder where they've come from. I wonder what they learned. You, you can't sort of look at people and, well, you, you're the one who's going to teach them everything. That's so arrogant and proud. If we would just consider that everyone that God brings into our life, we have something to give them and they have something to give us. Things we can learn from them. And you learn from people. They've learned stuff in life. You ask the questions right, they will open up and share. But if you're going to ask questions, listen. 
Don't sort of say, try to work out an answer. Listen for their story. You don't have to tell them all about yourself. The moment you do, the interest factor dies off quickly. So just talk to people, listen to people, inquire about their story, ask what they learn. You'd be quite surprised if you make people welcome and hear their story, they will open up because they're longing for someone to listen to their story. People everywhere are longing for someone who will just hear what I've been through and will listen and say, I'm okay. See, so this is, see, you see that reaching people like that, you see how coffee bar thing works. It works so simply because people feel that someone is interested in them and listen to their story and not judge them or tell them all the things they need to do. Just affirm them as people. And then if the door opens, share and help them to discover the one who loves them. But how can we talk about Jesus if we don't represent him properly? Or if we misrepresent him by being dogmatic, harsh, judgmental. People feel all of that and they don't want to hear anything you have to say after that. Serve people. Find out a way to serve them. If someone comes in, how can I help you? Can I introduce you to someone? Can I show you this? Can I show you that? Can I get you a cup of tea over here? Can't you come over here? Do you wear this as a center over here? We can make you welcome, get you a cup of coffee. Is there anything you need? So you, you just help people. How can I help you is the attitude of a servant. These are powerful things. Powerful things. Love and include people as Jesus included you. Here's the, here's the last thing I'll share on the being inclusive. Connect them to other people so they feel they belong. Connect them to other people. Don't you just have your chat in the corner. Introduce them to someone that they might get along with. There must be someone you know in the church that's got similar interests or something like that. So if it's a businessman, hey, listen, there's some other businessmen in the church. So let me come and introduce you over here. You start a conversation going, and you help the person feel like, I'm included here. And maybe you take them out, get them a cup of coffee, or meet with them for coffee, or we'll just show hospitality and food somewhere. That, those are all things that are not, they're not uh, hard to do, but they're impacting when you do it. They create a spirit of inclusion. A spirit of inclusion. Spirit of inclusion. Develop an open heart by getting rid of judgments about people, prejudice about people. <clears throat> Initiate connection with people. You can do it on a, on, a, on a line. Check out. Hello, how are you? What's your name? Thank you very much for looking after me today. How's your job going? How are things going? And you start to engage their journey rather than just judging them. Initiate the connection. Make them welcome and smile. Show interest in them and their needs and their story. And that means you just turn your phone off, you know. And show hospitality and serve them. And include them by connecting them to someone else. Well, how about that? And you know when we do that, Jesus said, that brings honor to God. Why does it bring honor to God? Because you are communicating the value God places on them. They are an image bearer of God made in His image, and therefore He loves them, He values them, paid a big price. So when you communicate value and include people, basically you're representing God well instead of misrepresenting Him and profaning His name and the people you interact with. You know, one reason that people really struggle with church is because they've been exposed to being excluded. What if we became an incredibly inclusive people 
But you may see our, our houses have all been bought with having people in it as being in mind. Everything we do has been about including people. How can you include people in your world? And find out who they are and find their story and find out where they're at. You'll be amazed how things will turn to spiritual conversations and the chance to receive them and welcome them to the kingdom. It's not such a hard thing. Does anyone can't do that? I wouldn't want to see anyone in our church ignoring new people coming in. When the meeting's over and everyone's gone home, what they remembered was how friendly people were. What brings them back is how friendly people are. And I got connected and I made some good friends and I belong. And that's what people are looking for. So that's why Jesus upset everyone. He upset the religious system. So much so they had to put him to death because he's breaking the rules. But what he did is show how God treats people. Can you imagine God running to you, holding on to you and hugging you, kissing you and making you welcome? That's the spirit to include. Found in Luke 15 and verse 20, the prodigal son's father. What a great spirit for us to catch around our life. Amen? Amen. Why don't you just close your eyes right now. I wonder if there's any person here as we finish this meeting now, feeling in your heart the conviction of the Holy Spirit, where you've been judgmental, where you've labeled people, where you've actually rejected people, excluded people, or just being plain self-centered and just thought about yourself. Instead of actually thinking, there's people here today in this church, I could reach out to them and show kindness or interest in their life and maybe even pray for them. You don't get to pray unless you've shown interest and they're letting them into your world. I wonder if there's anyone here and you say, God, I need to repent of being selfish, of being superior, of judging, of, of, of being dogmatic. More interested in proving I'm right than in making the person welcome. Being argumentative and difficult rather than making people feel welcome. I wonder how many people today God's speaking to you and you realize you could take initiative. You, you could actually talk with people, smile and make them welcome. You could listen to their story, ask questions and find out with a real interest, who is this person and where are they from and what's their story and where are they? You're a Christian. How did you come to Christ? What's happening in your life? What's God speaking to you about? What's going on right now? How's your family? So many ways you can do that. Perhaps God's challenging about hospitality, opening a home and having people in or even being part of being hospitable here at church. Take someone out to the cafe and just buy them coffee and buy them some chips and Maybe just buy the chips if you can't afford the coffee. Share that. <laughs> Sometimes that's how it is, isn't it? So, is God speaking to you? Why don't you make a decision inside? Lord, I respond to your word today. Perhaps there's someone here today and you're not a Christian. You're you're not related to the Lord. You haven't actually given your life to Jesus Christ. You're living separated from God. I can tell you now, God wants to include you in His family and you become part of His family by recognizing I'm separated from God by my own actions and choices, by recognizing Jesus died on the cross for those failures in my life and receiving Him to be your Savior. Repenting of the sin, independence and saying, God, I want to be part of your family. I want to be connected to you. To everyone who received Jesus, who believed on Him, He gave power to become a child of God. 
Is that you? Would you raise your hand? There's anyone here today, right at that place where you want to give your life to Jesus? Just raise your hand. Let me see. Any person here? God bless. See the hand over there. Hand over there. Anyone else? Hand over here. God bless. Anyone else? God loves you. God bless. See a hand over there. Many people. Many people. God bless. See the hand down there. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. God loves you. He really loves you. He wants you to know you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Church, we're going to stand up for a moment now. And each person put their hand up wanting to receive Christ to become a Christian. If you could make your way to the front and make a row facing me, I'll lead you in a prayer. And if someone bought you, they'll come up with you. If someone brought you to church today, they'll come up with you. They're your friend. They've been praying for you. And this is great for them to be with you as you receive Christ. Okay, ready, church? Let's all stand. Let's flow back into that song we were singing before, Come to the Altar. God bless you. What's your name? Others, would you come right now? Just come, come, that's right, come. Come, that's right, come, come. Come on over here. There's some others put their hand up, just come, make your way to the front. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was brought with God bless you. Is anyone else? Anyone else? Make your way to the front. It's not too late. Even if you didn't put your hand up, feel free to make your decision to come to the front. Anyone else? Anyone else? Now, there may be others here today, and you are suffering the pain of being excluded. That in your life, you've suffered greatly because you've been excluded for whatever reason. You've suffered the shame of being excluded. And you say, God, I felt the pain of it today. I want to come up and just be set free of that thing today. Please feel free to make your way to the front too. Come, 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 come. That's right. There'll be a number of people. Come, 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 come. Just stand over here, just over here on this side on the right. Just on the right. That's right. That's right. God bless. God bless. There'll be many people feel that. And for people who are feeling that exclusion, you've been excluded and you're in pain, you're hurting over it, make your way to the front. Just make your way to the front. Could be that you did something that was a bit goofy. Could be that just people have been bad and treating you. It may be nothing to do with you. It's just how bad people are. They can hurt us sometimes. Just come, come, come. Now, for those who've had that, I'd like someone from the church who knows them to come and stand with them. I want to just not just about me praying for people. It's about someone standing with them and saying, hey, I'm with you. You're of more value than you think. We care about you. Amen. God bless you. I want to lead you in a prayer. Prayer is just talking to God. And I'd like you just to listen and church help these ones. Let's all pray this prayer together. As we pray and talk to God from our heart, He hears us and He welcomes us. He forgives every sin and gives us a fresh start. That burden you've carried is lifted off you. Church, let's just pray this prayer together. Father in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for accepting me. Thank you for reaching out to me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for all my sins. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me now. 
I turn away from sin and I turn to you. I receive you as my Savior. I receive forgiveness. I receive your spirit into my heart and I give you my life. I belong to you. I am home. Amen. Just keep your eyes closed. Father, pour out your love on these people right now. Touch, touch, touch your Lord right now. Father, I break the shame. I break the loneliness. I break those things that you've carried like a great burden over your life.